0: Podcast. Protecting cultural identity through needlework. How artists, volunteers, and designers turned a Ukrainian folk blouse and craft into symbols of defiance. On this week's AJ Longreads, the Ukrainians using embroidery to stand up to Russia. This story was written by Pearlie Jacob and read by me, Annie M. Dillon. Sitting in the corner of a Ukrainian-run cafe in downtown Tbilisi, Ala Temoshenko deftly runs a threaded needle through a bird-shaped piece of felt. For Ukrainians, the nightingale that she's embroidering to turn into a brooch is a symbol of hope, spring, and building homes, Alla explains. Once complete, she plans to sell the item through her Instagram handle as an emblem of hope for Ukrainians' victory against Russia. Embroidery has always been a form of creative expression for Allah, whose grandmother taught her the craft when she was eight years old. But it was only ever a hobby for her until her late 20s when she decided to quit her stressful job with an IT company in Kiev and become a design consultant. Embroidery became a form of meditation for me, says the 34-year-old who started using the skill professionally. She has worked on commissioned embroidery art projects for hotels and cafes, such as the one where she now sits, both in her native Ukraine and in Georgia, where she has lived on and off since 2017. But after February 24, 2022, when Russia launched its full-scale invasion of Ukraine, embroidery became an outlet for Allah's grief and rage. When the war began, Ella was in Tbilisi and could only fervently follow the news headlines and speak to her parents back in Ukraine. Her parents assured her they were safe in their hometown of Piriatin, in the central legion of Poltava. They were more calm than me, admits Allah, who felt despondent and anxious for weeks. I told myself this isn't the time for embroidery, she says, but then I soon realized I had to do everything I could for my country and use my talents and creative energy to help, so she started embroidering as a way to express her support for her country. On the 28th day of the war, she posted an embellished jacket she had just completed to Instagram saying embroidery was her way of contributing Ukrainian talents to the future. She then started working on embroidered brooches in her country's national colors of blue and yellow, tapping into imagery that has long been a part of Ukrainian folktales, poems, and cultural identity. Alla has made brooches depicting nightingales, sunflowers, dandelions, and the Ukrainian coat of arms, the trezoob, and also embroidered t-shirts and jackets, selling everything via Instagram. Half of the proceeds from her sales now go to Ukrainian volunteers working to evacuate and provide aid to refugees. Writing in English and Ukrainian on Instagram, Alla explains the cultural symbolism and folk beliefs behind each embroidered motif, such as signifying good luck or protection. One t-shirt carries an excerpt from a poem by Lesia Ukrainka, a 19th-century dissident poet and activist who wrote in Ukrainian even though it was banned at the time in the Russian Empire. My heart burns up in a rage of fire, consumed within a flame of bitter grief. Read the lines embroidered in blue thread. These lines perfectly summed up my emotions about the invasion, says Alla of the fragment which she embellished with one of her favorite spring blossoms, a malva flower. Although it is a t shirt, it qualifies as a vashivanka, meaning embroidered shirt in Ukrainian, according to Alla. For us, a traditional vashivanka is a protective amulet full of symbolism, she says, explaining that her designs are like a personal talisman carrying some of her story, thoughts, and wishes. For Ukrainians, embroidery signifies something much deeper than a cultural art form and is typified in the Vashivanka, which has motifs running along the neck, chest, cuffs, and sleeves. Embroidery patterns and needlework techniques abound in Ukraine, with each region identifiable through its own unique symbolic patterns, motifs, and color codes. There are about 200 different documented stitches and ornamental styles in Ukraine. The history of embroidery in Ukraine can be traced as far back as the Scythians, an ancient nomadic group that dominated the Eurasian steppe from present-day Iran to Mongolia between the 7th and 3rd centuries BC and settled in large groups in what became modern-day Ukraine. Although embroidery is found globally, it took on particular cultural significance in Ukraine where it has long been the most widespread decorative art. Cossacks, who ruled parts of independent Ukraine in the 16th and 17th centuries, believed the embroidery patterns on their shirts protected them in battle and gave them strength. Geometric patterns like the square to denote the earth, the rhombus for fertility, circles for the sun, triangles for eternal life, and chevrons to represent femininity, masculinity, and spirituality were common motifs, along with zoomorphic and nature-inspired patterns. Elaborate floral patterns in gold and silver thread became highly popular among the Ukrainian Cossack elite, which held power until they were crushed by the Russian Empire. Apart from the attire of peasants, soldiers, and the elite, rushniks or hand towels featuring elaborate red thread embroidery on white linen were made and given as presents to mark all the important milestones of life, from births and baptisms to weddings and funerals. Every Ukrainian grew up surrounded by these old family heirlooms, whether it's a vashuvanka or rushnik or a tablecloth that was embroidered by a grandmother or a great-grandmother, explains Allah. She creates her own patterns and uses needlework techniques like the satin stitch rather than the cross-stitch that her grandmother insisted she learn. Cross-stitch techniques introduced from Western Europe in the 19th century replaced many of the more labor-intensive approaches found in Ukrainian embroidery. When Alice's parents offered to send a parcel from home through a friend who was leaving Ukraine, she could only think of one thing— an old family tablecloth with crocheted seams adorned with cross-stitched roses and purple spring flowers that her grandmother had made as a 15-year-old. I realized this was the most precious thing for me to remember home because this is a piece of family history, she says. Now Alla has started learning older, more complex Ukrainian embroidery techniques like a white-on-white open-work approach called rushuty livka, which her home region of Poltava is famous for. I see this as a way of preserving a part of my culture and identity that's under attack, she explains. In a Tbilisi cafe serving American and Asian fare, Marina Romashko recounts how she fled the central Ukrainian city of Dimpro when it faced a barrage of missile attacks in March 2022. Before leaving her apartment, the 38 year old hastily shoved a machine knit Vushivanka along with a hand embroidered one made by a favorite aunt into her backpack. I just felt I had to take something that somehow shows my Ukrainian identity and reminds me of home, says Marina, who came to Georgia when a friend offered to house her and her 19-year-old daughter. The women are among the estimated nearly 8 million Ukrainian refugees who have fled the country. The former tour guide and operator sits with Katarina Ustinova, 37, and Valeria Sokolenko, 34, who Marina befriended soon after arriving in the Georgian capital. The two women, originally from Dnipro, moved to Georgia before the war and had been helping newly-arrived refugees. In the summer, Katarina started importing machine-embroidered Vushuvanka made by her sister-in-law in Ukraine and selling them in Tbilisi to raise funds for the armed forces. Marina and Valeria quickly joined the initiative called Vushuvanka in Tbilisi, helping to market the shirts through social media platforms. For Katarina, the project is about supporting her sister-in-law, who donates all her profits, to buy military equipment for the army. But it is also about popularizing an icon of Ukrainian culture. As the conflict drags on, the project is one way they hope to keep Ukraine in focus. If people only associated Ukraine with Chernobyl and Andriy Shevchenko, a former professional footballer, before, I hope that after this war, they will at least know what a Vushu vanka is. Jokes Marina. The three women have started adding more Vushuvankas and Ukrainian elements to their wardrobes to stand out from the recently arrived Russians. With an estimated 100,000 arrivals since March, Russian exiles far outnumber the estimated 30,000 Ukrainians who moved to Georgia after the war broke out. The women, who are originally from a city where Russian is widely spoken, also make a point of speaking to one another in Ukrainian, especially when in public. Like many aspects of Ukrainian culture, literature, and language that were suppressed by the Russian Empire and by the authoritarian Soviet rule that followed, Vushuvankas were once stripped of their symbolism and reduced to sartorial kitsch. Shiny red satin pants and skirts became the norm to represent Kozak attire during state-endorsed festivals held to celebrate the Soviet Union's diversity, recounts Valeria. Ukrainians even have a term. Shirovashchina, that refers to the crude Russian portrayals of their culture and Cossack heritage during the Soviet period. It's only recently that many Ukrainians started to proudly wear their Vushuvankas, and we even have a special day for it now, adds Valeria. World Vushuvanka Day started in 2006 after a group of students at the Chernivsky National University organized a flash mob and the entire university turned up in Vushuvankas. Today it is celebrated every third Thursday in May with people across the country wearing Vushuvankas. Last year, political dignitaries, including European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, Lithuanian Prime Minister Ingrida Simonite, and Canada's Justin Trudeau, donned Vushuvankas as a mark of solidarity with Ukraine. The shirt, worn for the occasion by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, was auctioned in June for $100,000 in Washington, D.C. to raise funds for aid and weapons. The Vushuvanka is not only a traditional part of the Ukrainian wardrobe, but a national symbol of the struggle for independence, a symbol of our spirit of invincibility, and a symbol of hope and love, says Kiev-based Lesia Voronuk, one of the organizers of the original flash mob, writing over email. Due to attacks on the power grid that have left much of Ukraine without light or heating during hours-long power cuts, Lesya apologizes for the weeks it has taken her to respond to emails. Lesya and her colleagues registered World Vushuvanka Day in 2015 as a non-profit dedicated to safeguarding the folk art and culture around the Vushuvanka craft. Since the outbreak of the war, they have worked to rescue embroidery artifacts and vushuvankas from areas with fighting, both from private collections and local museums. In November, an expedition to collect Ukrainian state symbols, including the truzub and blue and yellow thread-based textiles embroidered in secret during the Soviet occupation, saw the organization travel to seven towns under bombardment. The ongoing war is a war of identities and values. Ukrainians are forced to confront cave people, Russian soldiers, asserts Lesya, who sees saving these textiles as an act of resistance. An old embroidered textile featuring blue and yellow threads forbidden during the Soviet era and an old portrait of a Ukrainian family dressed in traditional vushuvankas were some of the items recently evacuated by Lesya Voronyuk and her team. While the race is on to save cultural artifacts, others working with embroidery are finding different ways to resist Russia. Andrei Cheruka, 32, founded his clothing label, Etnodim, when he was 18. He has spent years researching traditional patterns which he applies along with imagery from old photographs and illustrations to contemporary clothing designs. A recent shirt design, for example, is a nod to a 16th-century parable about a hermit and bird in search of truth and recreates illustrations collected by contemporary literary critic Leonid Ushkalov. We are creating an archive of national values, he says. At the onset of the war, the brand had to halt production in Kiev. Andrei decided to relocate to the relative safety of Lviv in the country's west despite the logistical hurdles. We, as a business, have a responsibility to our country. We must support the economy of Ukraine, says Andrei, whose company donates a portion of its sales to the armed forces. Global solidarity for Ukraine gave a surprising boost to business as international demand exponentially increased in the months following the invasion, with about 70% of the orders coming from countries like Poland, Lithuania, Estonia, and the US, says Andriy. It's really important for us today, and not only for business. We still feel the support. The world hasn't abandoned us, he says. The brand is currently working on new designs dedicated to Ukrainian artists, activists, and writers executed during Soviet rule. Meanwhile, the label recently teamed up with well-known Ukrainian poet Serhiy Jardin for a social media campaign that aimed to raise funds to buy 100 vehicles for the armed forces. Andre is convinced that the collective solidarity of Ukrainians fighting for the right to exist is what will eventually bring victory. We are two different nations, and we'll do everything to keep a stone wall between us forever, he says. Nearly a year into the conflict, many Ukrainians believe the war has united Ukrainians and solidified a sense of identity. Due to years of Russian influence, foreigners had a distorted idea of Ukrainian culture, customs. And her national clothes, too. But now, more than ever, is the right time to show the real Ukraine, says Mariana Liba, 24, an embroidery artist based in Lviv. She is referring to how foreigners have at times conflated Ukrainians with Russians in areas such as language and culture. Her first project at age 16 was to replicate the perfectly symmetrical lines of flower motifs of the western Yavoriv region where her mother is from and following tradition, she hand-embroidered her own wedding vushuvanka and that of her husband in the classic style from Borshchiv, a region south of Kiev that features black wool threads. After becoming a mother two years ago, Mariana launched her own embroidery studio called Golupka, through which she accepts commissioned orders. When the war started, she almost gave up on her business until her first international requests started coming in from Ukrainians living abroad as well as from foreigners seeking to support Ukrainian businesses. Amid the air raid sirens, power cuts, and lack of heating, it is a daily struggle to care for her young child, but she still finds time to complete special orders for vushuvankas while learning old embroidery techniques central to making these blouses. She has recreated a vushuvanka from an old black-and-white photo of Stephen Bandera, a controversial Ukrainian freedom fighter who collaborated with the Germans during the Second World War to try and wrangle independence for Ukraine. Her current project is recreating a century-old pattern from the region of Chernihiv on natural hemp cloth for a U.S.-based Ukrainian client. Each hand-embroidered vushuvanka takes about a month and a half to complete, and Mariana donates 30% of her proceeds to the Ukrainian Armed Forces. Mariana hopes for the war to end soon and for the continued revival and support for Ukraine's traditional embroidery. She says she's glad that Ukrainian artists have started to revive old stitch techniques like Verhoplut, Nizinka, and Lishtva in their work. I hope to make my modest contribution to this cause too, she says. Back in Tbilisi, Valeria, Katerina, and Marina have been busy with various fairs across the city over the Christmas period. Thanks to Katarina, almost every Ukrainian here now has a Vushu Vanka to wear even if they couldn't bring theirs from home, says Valeria. Support for the business is growing, and it's not just from Ukrainians. Many of our Georgian friends who bought our Vushu Vankas tell us they're saving them to wear for our victory day, says Katarina with a laugh. Thank you for listening to this week's AJ Longreads. The Ukrainians using embroidery to stand up to Russia was written by Pearlie Jacob and read by me, Annie M. Dillon.